everybody. Welcome to the Ask LLC Podcast. My name is Harrison, Worship Arts Director, Lake Forest, Huntersville. Hey, this is Mike Moses, lead pastor, Lake Forest, Huntersville. How are you today, Harrison? I am doing uh, very well. I just, it's my literal favorite time of year when the weather starts dropping, football's on TV. It just does not get any better as a season for me than this. I love it. It does not. We uh, took a little early fall weekend away with our longtime college friends, friends group that we made while Angie and I were dating. So that goes way back. And uh, we were in the mountains, and I enjoyed a uh, early Sunday morning while you all were worshiping. I was out in the fog and the rain on the port front porch, uh, uh, bundled up. It was delightful. Love this time of year, but looking forward to being back this Sunday. That's right, and carrying a week two sermon on the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah and this uh, this episode of the podcast, just to give you guys a little teaser, uh, we're going to share uh, some ways that. Uh, traditionally throughout the the history of the church, as we've learned, that the Holy Spirit shows up and arrives in our worship services. Three unique, different ways that that happens. So we're going to get to that in just a minute. Looking forward to that. Um, before that, uh, you all recall that this is our 25th birthday year as Lake Forest Church. We are officially, that might be the, the liminal year, like the uh, between millennial and iGen. Like millennials <laughs> yeah. are getting old. They have... You know, a lot of them have babies. They they have houses, or they don't, famously. Um, but iGens are somewhere around there. So anyway, we're one or the other as a church. That's your guess based on your view of the generations. Whichever one you like best is the one I would prefer that you take. Yeah. But so uh, hey, um, I was. We're getting ready to start really strongly inviting people to uh, schedule themselves for a shift of our making 100,000 meals to serve the hungry in several countries, including in Charlotte, as our birthday present to represent that we're disciples of Jesus Christ, not just so that we get better, but we're blessed to be a blessing from the first promise God made to Abraham prefiguring the gospel. And we want to show that with our birthday present, we're a church that's here to grow in Christ, to live in Christ, to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit for the sake of the flourishing of others on Jesus' mission of love to the world. So we, 100,000 meals will only be prepared by a butt-ton of Lake Forest people. That's right. Uh, like the staff and elders can't do that. We really want this to be the work of the people and something that we feel like we, we did together. So on that Saturday, October 21st, uh, we, we already have well over 100 people pre-signed up. I didn't even know we had released the signups. So that's awesome. But uh, you guys look for that on our website. Uh, We'll be announcing it. Look for the link in the e-note this week. Uh, We just all want to have a hand in this. I'm thrilled about it. Yeah, we're really looking forward to both that Saturday and the Sunday as a time to celebrate. Uh, Not only, you know, 20% look back and celebrate and say, awesome, we're so thankful for all this. And 80% 80% looking ahead and saying, God, what do you have for us next? We love where we've been. We are more excited about what the future holds for us here at Lake Forest Church. So we're using our we're using our birthday celebration to look ahead to all the, the next awesome things that, that uh, we think God is leading us to around here. So we're excited. Please, please mark on your calendar. Be here on that Saturday. Jump in and help out. And we're going to have a party on Sunday. It's wait, wait. Great. Looking ahead. I, you mean you all shot down my idea after I left town? <laughs> 
that I was going to tell the long rambling story of my whole life in that worship service. I thought that was going to be the sermon. We're going to do that as a, uh, it's a special video. It's going to be on the website. If you click around four or five places, you'll find it. It's going to be in there. Okay. okay, It'll be in there. You'll you'll get to it. I'll look for that. (laughs) Yeah. Harrison, you, um, every now and then you, uh, and I read, uh, books that, that come out that are by people who are considered maybe a, um, a master practitioner in each of our professions. Yeah. Our professions overlap, but yet they are distinct. Um, and you read this one book called The Worship Pastor. Yeah. Uh, tell me about the author and why you read that book. Yeah, the author is a guy named Zach Hicks. And this is, man, I need a title change. Listen to this guy's title. This is awesome. <laughs> okay. Zach Hicks is Canon for Worship and Liturgy at Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Whoa. Canon for Worship and Liturgy. That's awesome. There's a cathedral in Birmingham? No, they're just calling their church. Cathedral <laughs> Church, yeah. Um, okay, Cathedral I, Church, I get it. I that's get it. right. What, I, what I've loved about this book for a number of years, Mike, whenever I have an opportunity as it pops up from time to time to uh, hang out, maybe get a chance to mentor and work with young worship leaders, um, this is the book that I give them that we go through together because okay. it, it really uh, looks at every angle of what it means to be a worship leader, a worship pastor. And in a really cool way, I've gone through this even with some of my team as he defines um, <clears throat> even pastor in this sense of opening those gates to say, you know, hey, this is worth understanding this stuff, even if you're on stage uh leading leading worship leading songs for our church it's important stuff and uh as we were talking about holy spirit stuff this morning uh zach has a chapter of this book uh called the worship pastor as a corporate mystic and um the interesting thing mike for you to the content about um our faith that we struggle with sometimes we sang a song about it this sunday called holy ghost if you weren't there about Mm -hmm. the struggle of um there is a there is a, a a mysticism to use that word that gets kind of in your words hippified sometimes. <laughs> it's all mystical, man. Yeah. Man. Um, but <laughs> it's just a fact. If you take scripture at face value, there are things happening on on a, a spiritual things happening that we just can't see with our eyes. That's true. The the um, the Holy Spirit book that I read that influenced me the most over the summer in June and July was by a, a well-known scholar from Gordon Conwell Seminary, um, Gordon Fee. And I didn't know he was a Pentecostal. A charismatic pastor friend of me of mine recommended this book, and it's called Paul, the Spirit, and the People of God. And it's a detailed uh, trip through all of Paul's writings and the role of the Holy Spirit. And it opened my eyes to a lot that I had not seen before. However, a primary thesis of this erudite New Testament scholar is that along with all of the theological points of who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does for us, um, biblically, theologically, positionally with God, that there is no question that Paul and the early church Christians, he had the strong expectations that there was an experiential uh, aspect of mm-hmm. every Christian's relationship with God. Not that the the moment you became a Christian, everyone had an ecstatic experience, but that over time, there was an experience of the, the I don't know if he would have thought of, if the word mystical would have made sense to the Apostle Paul or not, 
Um, but he himself wrote about being carried up into the whatever number heaven, seventh heaven, mm-hmm. in a vision. Um, he talked about anyway. To, to to your point, there we are supernaturalists, if not anything else, as yep. Christians. And I think the that song that that you guys did before Andrew's sermon said, "I'm a cautious Christian." Mm-hmm. And if if there's a theme I'd like for this series for our church is that we we put off the cautiousness, the cynicism, and we just open ourselves to. Is if the New Testament's actually true, if it's bearing witness to real things in people's lives, then perhaps that experience of the ineffable, of the unutterable, of the hmm. the theme verse Andrew gave from Romans five four, I believe it is, the Holy Spirit pours out the love of God into our hearts. We can't measure that. There's not a mathematical equation yet. It's a promise well attested by experience, including my own. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we want to talk about that exactly that a little bit today. What is it, what does it practically mean? Um, part of, part of our cautiousness at times, I think is just, um, maybe not knowing what to look for, feeling like I'm going to be, I'm going to be, uh, tricked or confused, confuse myself, get swept into something. So here, here's some ways that, um, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit shows up in our worship. And as a preface to this, um, there are some scriptures that talk about what it looks like when God's presence shows up in worship. These are just the Psalms. And it says the Psalms agree that, uh, this is from Zach's book, uh, testifying that God's presence is accompanied by pleasure, Psalm 16, <laughs> joy, Psalm 21, mercy, Psalm 51, love and faithfulness, Psalm 61, and fulfillment and ecstasy in Psalm 84. But he balances this as, as just a good reminder for us before we dig into this stuff, that the Psalms present an equally terrifying picture of the design, divine encounter and worship. The presence of God also uh, comes along with humility from Psalms 5, fear and judgment, mm-hmm. Psalm 9, and awe and wonder in Psalm 18. And, and Zach Hicks just makes the point that when our... Uh, when our holiness, when, when our, our sinfulness encounters the holiness of God, when the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. uh, when the Holy Spirit wants to move in us and we have this stuff in the way, um, there's, there's, we have to approach with that humility to say, God, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you deal with this stuff that's hindering me before I can even get there. And that's part of our approach in worship and part of what we try to do as we, uh, set the stage with singing together and the way we approach our services is to create that space. But it's just, I think it's a, a helpful reminder that he has. And he says not to be missed is that God's presence turns from judgment to comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, his condemnation slices us open only to have his word of forgiveness. So it's back together, which I think is a really cool word in many Psalms, both sides of that experiential uh, humility and uh, fear of God, reverence of God, and the joy and ecstasy are in the same one in the same psalm. Harrison, you wouldn't know this, but um, we we actually um, built this into a, a, a part of our architecture and our gathering space. So, folks, when you walk in, the next time you walk into our campus, I'd like for you to notice this. We were conscious of this. Um, there are a few places where. Um, so take in front of our fireplace in the lobby. There is this concrete 
uh, floor that is it's kind of finished, it's kind of unfinished. The more coffee you spill on it, the better it looks. <laughs> we we kind of have that represented as the human condition. Um, uh, perhaps even our sin, um, not necessarily just our sin, but ju- then it's juxtaposed with no transition with the beauty of the wood flooring in front of the fireplace, which is some of the last planks out of the last textiles mill in Kannapolis when Kannapolis became a tech hub, a research center, excuse me, um, and no longer has mills. Someone procured that for us. Um, we, uh, we also have the fire in the fireplace mm-hmm. uh, and, and the stone there, which are... Um, so we had the natural beauty representing the beauty, the creational beauty, uh, uh, but the fire, the holiness of God. Hmm. And again, there's, there's no transition between that cement and then all of a sudden this beauty. And th- how can th- those are the two things clanging together in worship? I'm walking in hmm. with my unfinished human persona with all the, all the, uh, both the, the beauty, the joy, the sin of me. Uh, on any given day and week, and I'm walking into this environment where I'm going to worship God for His love and His majesty and His holiness, which is fire. And so then the worship mural above the entry doors that we all walk through is a a postmodern Christ figure with life in Christ bursting from His heart. says, Behold, I give you rest for your souls. And it is Christ who reconciles the roughness and the sinfulness mm-hmm. of hu- and the limitation, the limitedness of human beings, and the beauty and love and holiness of God. Only in Christ are those two things reconciled. Though the old covenant was looking forward to that, we experience the re- the uh, joy of it. Um, so that those two words mm-hmm. are are in our in our space on your way in. <clears throat> so. There are three ways that uh, Zach Hicks, again, in his book, Worship Pastor, talks about how um, the Holy Spirit shows up in our worship. Um, So I want to just quickly talk through these three with you all because I think they're super interesting. Um, First of all, um, that I relate with well, Mike, um, our Pentecostal and charismatic brothers and sisters testify that when we sing, God comes in palpable power. The scriptures unashamedly declare that the word of Christ dwells among us richly when we sing and worship. Mm. In the Old Testament, the same scriptural language is used to describe sacrifices where God is mystically present and spiritually active. And this language is used not only to describe the sacrifices accompanying music, but to characterize the musical experience itself. Um, in scripture, we see that, that, that there, we, we use, uh, music, we can use music as an act of sacrifice akin to, uh, what we bring to the altar and spiritually, um, there are times as we sing and we're, um, we're making these declarations of, um, singing about our hands being open, saying, God, do what you will in my life is our spiritual act of sacrifice. So we, we just see all throughout the Psalms. We see all throughout the Old and New Testament that um, <clears throat> music, for whatever reason he's chosen to do it, is is a means that God shows up and manifests his presence. I think that music is one of the most awesome gifts that God's given us. And you Didn't see, you? yeah, obviously, <laughs> and it's just so, uh, we've talked about this, you know, 10 times before on the podcast, but 
it's there are some things that I think uh, you see you see a non Christian world see like there's something extra going on with music like there's something beyond uh vibrations and timing and you put all this stuff together and it has just the power to absolutely lift you up to wreck you to bring you back to a memory of a place and a time to to transcend to another spot and i and sure it just think seems... of the summer of taylor swift and beyonce that's right yeah <laughs> that's right i mean in all seriousness yeah and it's just evidence to me clearly um, that even what the world sees in that is what we understand as Christ followers, that this is a gift from God. And we see if you've been in any type of worship services, I would sure hope as a Christ follower that you have felt music as a means that, uh, the Holy spirit shows up and moves. Mm-hmm. It, studies show that when people sing or experience music together, there's something, there's some forming, there's some, um, bonding that happens, uh, to the human person, and it actually is good for the human soul. There are good outcomes. Um, th- in worship, there, there is the—music has a, a, a utility almost. Um, I'm reading a, a meditation on the pastorate or the priesthood by a Russian Orthodox priest from 100 years ago. It's fascinating to me because he, he's— it's really insightful, hmm. uh, but from a really different tradition from me. So he's using different words. And he talks, um, just the chapter I read this morning, Harrison, it's funny. Hmm. He's talking about music and singers in the in their divine liturgy, which the Orthodox Church calls it. And that it is to be as beautiful as possible. And that it is designed to spark and lift up the human soul. But it is then designed, it can stop there. Wasn't this music beautiful? Doesn't it make me feel a certain way? And that's wonderful, and that's God created. It's designed then as a vehicle to then, for my soul to then contemplate whatever's being sung about. So, for example, you guys opened with that song Sunday. I I, 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 uh, worshipped online last night. You inhabit the praises Um, of your people. You inhabit the praises of your people. Mm -hmm. So what this Orthodox priest would say is, that, and I don't know if this is what, Zach is getting at is in that moment then for the soul to contemplate that truth of God and experience it because the music has opened up not just our rational part of our being but a whole other side of ourselves that can has the capacity for awe and wonder and for comprehension of something much larger than ourselves. and in that song is a truth to go he's Holy Spirit you've come in You've come into me. You've come into this room, to this people. I, I acknowledge you. You know, the the Orthodox priest, just to, if I may take this one step further, yeah. he compares it, and some of you will f- be familiar with the role of icons in Eastern Orthodox worship. They look a bit odd to us because they're not designed to be realistic. Uh, and without going into a whole theology of them, which I don't fully understand, he says it's like the icon. The icon is there. It's a picture of a of a sacred figure, not to then just learn from this physical image, but for the soul to fixate on it and become become um, uh, focused, hmm. become become detached from everything else around, and then it lifts itself up higher to the biblical truth behind it, hmm. and, and it 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 takes the top. 
he didn't say Tupperware lid, but that's my word, off of the human spirit to then receive the truth in an, that the icon is a representation of. So that's awesome. I, uh, Mike, this next, this next section, uh, mm-hmm. gets into your, yo bread and butter, mm-hmm. uh, point two, God's God's presence in preaching. Uh, the Protestant Reformation ushered in a mass revival of the church, and not a small part of that was an unleashing of the Holy Spirit's presence in the church through the preached word. The scriptures associate people's ability to hear God's word with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. God's presence is required for preaching to be truly heard, according to Acts sixteen fourteen. which that's super interesting. Again, God's presence is required for preaching to be truly heard. God's transforming, life-changing, heart-turning presence is manifested in a special way when the word of God mm. is preached. So it's it's just <clears throat> again pointing out that um that that chunk of the service uh Mike that you spend a, a, a large chunk of your week uh preparing and getting ready for and I know that uh you've even shared with me with our team you shared this on stage over the past couple years of the church that you even personally have felt kind of uh as we've sought in our planning as a church as we've made an emphasis of um turning to the Holy Spirit and saying lead and guide us that um I've felt that more in my planning of worship sets and where we want songs to go and stuff like that. And, um, I, you've mentioned that you've even sensed that in a preparation yourself as you teach on Sunday mornings, what the Holy spirit does. Uh, for sure. Um, I, I, it's given me language for something I've observed and experienced for decades. It, as I've said, part of my own, um, calling to, uh, capture an actual accurate biblical um uh, an accurate picture of the role of the holy spirit in the christian life in the church is giving credit where credit is due i would just say god did that Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) or or god the power of god's word did that um but the more i'm i'm learning any all activity of god in the world today is through the holy spirit and so it's accurate to say it's the Spirit of God. And in fact, the verse that, that Hicks quotes there, Acts 16, 14, um, uh, says, One of those listening to a sermon was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. In other words, she was a businesswoman. She was a worshiper of God. That's a way of saying she was a Greek person who was interested if there's maybe one true God. And then here's the phrase that Zach Hicks is referring to. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Now, interesting, Luke there says the Lord opened her heart to Hmm. respond to Paul's message. Hmm. Yep. But a proper theology of of the the Trinity and the persons of God, the Lord did so. It was the activity of the Holy Spirit because Hmm. the Holy Spirit is the actionizer, (laughs) the wind blower, the water filler, the the fire starter um, of anything God does in this world. That's how God has the Godhead has ordained hmm. the activity of the three persons, and so I I can see it happen. Harrison, <laughs> someone awesome. who may have me myself or they might have read a same verse that I'm teaching on mm-hmm. by themselves, 
But because it's among the people of God, so first of all, because music and worship has already happened, and it's taken the Tupperware lid off. Let's stick with that for a moment. Mm-hmm. Off of the spirit. If And it wasn't just a tingly music experience, which is good in and of itself and why we go to concerts. But let's say the person allowed that to be attached to the very presence of God here. Um, and then the word of God is dropped into that open Tupperware container that yep. is the human spirit. Um, I, I will every now and then see the moment. <laughs> and I wish I could like push pause. You know, like, like picture this in a video or a movie. Push pause, and then one character is able to move mm-hmm. in real yep. time, and I could go over to that person <clears throat> and say, "What? Tell me what you just experienced." But I can see it, and people report it to me that way, where, uh, as described here in in Luke sixteen, the Holy Spirit opened her mm-hmm. heart to the Lord's message, and, and that's when a truth becomes personal, convictional, um, actionable. Uh, in a way that um, is that while the person may not be able to argue the existence of God and how did God just do that, they know they experienced the Holy Spirit of God opening their eyes. And I think it's it's such a interesting thing that you and I think about a lot. I would say our our entire worship team and our entire teaching team. Um, we approach what we do with great care and seriousness because we want to be stewards. Uh, to this message um, that God has asked us to to share, but it's it's in one hand is that yes, there's the seriousness, but there's a beautiful thing in the other hand of this like lack of pressure because mm-hmm. we know because of His Word, because of pastors like this, that the best sermon in the universe and the 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 most you know powerful quote unquote worship song we could ever do really is, is meaningless without the spirit of God inhabiting it and making his presence, uh, in the middle of all that. So it's kind of this great spot we get to be in where we're like, Hey, we're going to take it seriously. We're going to prepare. We're going to do our best, but like, we're also going to have fun because we're just like, Holy spirit, come do this, do the stuff that you are the only one who can do. And it takes that pressure off our shoulders of being like, we have to make this be a thing. We're just like, no, well, just I tell our team all the time, just just be the part of the body you're supposed to be today, and be that well, and it's awesome. Something I'm embracing even more the, along those lines is that I, I experience. I don't know if this is many or most pastors. I think it likely is pre- preaching pastors. Um, in Gordon Fee's book, he says that that a lot of the spiritual gifts, the way Paul writes about them, they're not necessarily our. Um, my he gave me these spiritual gifts and they're mine and they're the only ones I'll have the rest of my life that they're that he he thinks in part many if not most of them we might tend toward one but the Holy Spirit gives them for the moment and the Hmm. occasion and I have begun to experience and actually own I, I didn't I thought this was arrogant to say but I'm learning that it's biblical the Holy Spirit gives me um uh words of knowledge or no, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, prophetic words when I'm preaching God's word, I don't mean, um, I look out and I see your face and the Holy spirit tells me tell Harrison, he needs to quit, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, 
leaving his underwear on the floor. I was excited to see where that was going. Emily's about to leave him. (laughs) Um, It's not that way. It's that I will be led to say something either that I already wrote down three days ago or that I didn't. And then I'll hear sometime later of a person who says, I can't even, you won't even believe how specific a word that was for me. Hmm. And I went out and did this or called her or made the change, or the love of God, this is my favorite, the love of God flooded my heart. And all that is promised and given to us in Christ became real to me for the first time. That is, a, a I think, um, a, profe- a specific prophetic word. Mm, yep. It's sometimes given to me when I meet with a person or a family as well. Mm. Um, and that's a... And that's the Holy Spirit superintending me just being a guy inhabiting my role, doing it as I would do it. Yep. The third one is uh, super important to us around here as well, but I I like the way he explains its importance here. The third one is God's presence in the sacraments, Mm -hmm. specifically baptism and the Lord's Supper. Um, The Bible describes baptism as being united with Christ in language that is too strong to be understood in merely symbolic or ritualistic terms. Uh, Colossians 2 says that we are buried with him and raised with him. Scripture describes baptism as being administered by Christ. Likewise, Jesus, by his spirit, manifests himself as he opens our eyes to see him when the bread is broken and given at the table. Both the bread and the wine are described by Paul in 1 Corinthians ten sixteen as a participation in Jesus. The sacramental traditions remind us that we can feel his presence in a powerful and multi-sensory way as we touch, taste, see, and smell Jesus through the spirit in baptism and communion, which is exactly why those two sacraments are just a foundational cornerstone of our worship at Lake Forest Church. Mm -hmm. I I think I've heard folks um, say that their experience of the presence of of God, which we would say is the Holy Spirit, and communion in particular at Lake Forest is most often when we serve communion by intention, which is when we have elders or community group leaders or staff holding it personally, and the person has to take it from them personally while they look them in the eye and say, this is the body and blood of Christ broken and shed for you. And that personal transmission is where I have experienced the Holy Spirit most in the sacrament of communion here. Um, I guess you're always on stage. I was going to ask you the same question, but you you experience it as a worship team before or after. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. This last time we we did communion, we between services had one of our elders, <clears throat> Stephanie Finnegan, came down to the front of the stage and served communion to each one of us as we're on stage serving through music as communion is happening. And yeah, it's just, um, Zach wraps it all up in in this way, which I think is really interesting because he talks a lot about, um, so much of how the Bible describes all three of these worship teaching sacraments. These are done in community. They just, Mm -hmm. they just always are. There are some aspects of our faith of our walk with Christ that are very individualistic, in times that we're praying there and, and, and his spirit arrives in those as well. But these three particular things, mm-hmm. um, uh, he points out using scripture he says, 
Um, worship is not an ordinary event. It's filled with God's presence and God reveals his presence in worship that in a way that is unique and irreplaceable by any other means. We can't find this exact kind of experience uh, alone in our quiet times, hiking on a hillside. Uh, what happens in worship cannot be replicated or refabricated in any other way because God reserves special gifts of his presence for the physical and corporate worship gatherings of his church. And we just see that over and over and over again, which is why we love worshiping with you every Sunday here. We sure do. And it's why it's important for each of us to prioritize being in person uh, when we're able. It's wonderful that we have high quality online worship. That's a, that's a great um, uh, accident of the pandemic. Um, so that we all keep up when we're out of town, just like I did last weekend. That mm-hmm. was a great gift to me, but it wasn't the same. <laughs> I mean, I, I enjoyed it and I worshiped, but it wasn't anything like the formative experience of being here with the people of God. And it's a good reason for it. We, um, we have grown as a church, Harrison, when you count the people here in person and online and, uh, you know, data like greater number of givers and things like that. Yep. Um, but, but with a, a little smaller percentage here any given Sunday. And so it's just a, a, a reminder for us to prioritize in-person worship um, when we're feeling some of those old 2021 uh, habits coming on us. Harrison, could I ask you to finish this way? If we could circle back to the the Holy Spirit and the music and the singing, yes. those, all those words from the Psalms. Mm-hmm. What is your experience of the Holy Spirit or and or what do you observe of people in your unique role yeah. in the music and the worship through singing? I think, um, I think the thing that I see constantly, um, I just see joy in people. Um, I see joy in the recognition of the, the weight of what God's love and mercy means to us. And I, I love more than anything. I love singing all kinds of songs and I love songs that talk about what we do and our response as we see these things. But I think my favorite songs and I, I love watching people interact with these are songs that are just, just dripping with the truth of who he is. Cause I feel like when you talk about Holy spirit stuff, what I see from the stage as people interact with these fundamental truths of who God is, even singing something as simple as, um, then sings my soul, my savior, God to thee, how great thou art. And we just reflect on just the attributes, the characteristics of God aside from anything that he does for us, which is all great too. And there's places for that. My favorite stuff is just talking about who he is and just seeing people have those light bulb moments of like, wow, overwhelmed with awe and wonder of the goodness of God, his mercy and his love for us. And I love seeing it from the stage and you can just tangibly, like you're talking about in the teaching, you can tangibly see it in people when it just clicks and it's starting to make sense. And that feeling of just overwhelmed, uh, heart beyond really what words can describe. If you were to pause time and ask them to describe it, they'd probably be like, I just, I just feel I just feel fulfilled and full of the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I love it. And we can live our lives feasting on that because we come into Christ-centered worship. Because of Christ, if we know that we are fully reconciled 
in all of our limitations, imperfections, and sin, ongoing sin, uh, we are fully reconciled and forgiven past, present, and future through the sacrifice of God himself on the cross, Mm -hmm. therefore adopting us as sons and daughters who cry, Abba, Daddy. And in worship, we enjoy his pleasure um, and love for us. Um, And Harrison, because God so loved the world, he sent his son for everyone, and we want everyone to experience that. We need to uh, be careful about our expectations in our own worship services. Guess what? If we get to a point where you look out and every single person in the room is experiencing that joy through Christ in the moment, we have lost our mission. <laughs> that means nobody has brought there one more person who is exploring but doesn't yet see Christ. Like Lydia in Acts sixteen fourteen, she was there as an interested in God, God-fearer. She wasn't yet a Christian. She wouldn't have been displaying <laughs> that mm-hmm. joy you just, yep. just yep. maybe curiosity. And so we let's not have the expectation. We are not a... We will, I would say we would be bankrupt as a church if we're ever 100% believers, 100% walking in the fullness of the Spirit in the whole worship service. Guess what I'm going to do if that happens? I'm going to blow some stuff up because that means we don't have a, the right audience. We're, we're not winsome and welcoming enough to people who are hungry for God but haven't yet had their eyes open in faith by Jesus. Yep. Well, we we are really looking forward to the next couple of weeks of continuing in this Holy Spirit series with you. We have a worship night coming soon. We'd love for you to come to as we're just going to explore all this stuff together. And as Mike said, uh, in community and as Christ followers and as people who are uh, skeptics, explorers and everywhere on the map, we uh, look forward to sharing it with you on Sunday mornings. Uh, this has been the Ask LFC podcast. We will catch you all next time.